Hey, welcome to the Everyday Immunity Podcast, a place where we talk about different ways to boost the immune system naturally each and every day. I'm your host, Alicia Rosati of Rosati Nutrition. Hey guys, welcome back to today's episode. What a MTHFR, and no, this is not short form for the swear word, I promise, but this is a gene that we all have. Uh, it's part of our genetic makeup. You and I both have it, and the reason I want to talk about it is because some people, like myself, can have different genetic mutations or variations with this gene, and that can lead to a lot of problems. So let me give you a little bit of backstory. My mom had done the 23andMe um, Health Plus Ancestry DNA kit a while ago. And I had always wanted to do it, you know, because there are different conditions and illnesses that run in my family, both on my mom's side and my dad's side. So I had always wanted to do it just to kind of see, you know, my what my DNA says and what I'm kind of playing with here. So for this most recent Christmas that just passed, uh, my parents got it for me for a gift And I was like, sweet, this is awesome. And I was really excited to see, you know, like just how healthy I was. And so I did the test. I did the, you know, the whole spit in a tube thing and shipped it back. And I waited a little while and I got my results back. And the way the 23andMe kit works is you log in, you have your whole homepage and everything. And they tell you, they look at just a handful of genetic markers and tell you like, yeah, it it showed up that you have um, an increased risk for this, you carry the gene for that or, you know, but it's not your whole uh, genome that they look at for these reports. Now, my homepage says that I do have one of the Alzheimer's genes and I do have one of the genetic markers for um, type 2 diabetes. So I have an increased risk of Alzheimer's and an increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes. And one thing I want to make clear that I have come to realize is your genetic fate is not, it's not fate. It's what your DNA says, but with the whole um, field of epigenetics, what your DNA says doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to be expressed. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. But now on today's topic, this MTHFR gene, I actually had to look into it a little bit myself. So like I was mentioning, 23andMe does not give you a whole report on every single gene that you have, but they do give you the raw data. And now there's over like 20,000 genes in the human body. So if you think that I'm going to sit there and go through all 20,000 genes, you're wrong. But there are some that I did want to check out because I had been seeing a lot of news and a lot of um, information about them just on my Instagram from other health professionals. So I looked up the MTHFR gene and I was like, I don't even know what this thing is. I don't know what it does, but people are saying it's important. So let me look into it. And I did. And I found out that I did have one of the mutations for this gene. Now, let me back up a little bit and talk about how I found this out, what exactly I looked at, because it's not like you just type in MTHFR and it says like, yes, you have a mutation or no, you don't. There's a ton of little pieces to it. 
So now what even does MTHFR stand for if it doesn't stand for Mother Fluffer? (laughs) Well, MTHFR actually stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. Say that 10 times fast. Say that one time fast. (laughs) So that's why they just call it MTHFR. Um, And now if you have genetic mutations for this gene, it really can act as a mother you-know-what. It can wreak havoc on your body without you even knowing. So what does it do? It actually is involved in um, regulating homocysteine levels in your body. Now, homocysteine is an amino acid, but you don't want your levels of homocysteine to get too high because it can be quite dangerous. So it does this by converting folate, which is vitamin B9, and vitamin B12, it methylates them, meaning it adds a methyl group onto these vitamins. And if you guys didn't take high school or university chemistry, all that means is it adds a methyl group onto these vitamins, which is just one carbon and three hydrogen atoms. I don't know how it makes these vitamins more bioavailable for us, but it does. That's all we need to know. So if you have the mutations for this gene, it inhibits or it slows down your body making these enzymes that help convert folate and B12 into their active form that our body can use. So um, for example, folate originally is usually in a 510-methylene tetrahydrofolate form. And when you methylate it, it turns into 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate. These are all a lot of big words. I'm just trying to give you some backstory here. But this 5-methyl-tetrahydrofolate form is what's found in our blood, and that's what converts homocysteine into methionine, which is used to make proteins. So I know this all sounds really confusing, but just bear with me here. So when our body does not make enough of this uh, reductase enzyme, we are not, we don't have adequate amounts of folate or b12 so we don't regulate homocysteine levels and when we don't have enough of you know vitamin b12 or b9 in our bodies you know when you're deficient in any vitamin you know that there's going to be negative side effects to that now in terms of genetics and your genome again you guys may remember from high school or university biology you have base pairs in your DNA and you get one letter from each parent, you know, when they created you. So there's four base pairs and each letter means something, but we really just go by their um, letter just to make it easier. So there's A, T, C, and G. Adenine, thymine, uh, cytosine, and guanine. Instead of saying all those big words and names, we just go by A, T, C, and G. Now there's a couple rules that we are typically supposed to follow in if things were always perfect. A always binds with T and C always binds with G. But with any mutation or variation, sometimes things may go wrong and the wrong letter pairs up in the wrong spot. And that's what a genetic mutation is. Now, depending on what gene and where in the gene these mutations occur, um, they could have negative side effects or they could not. So looking at my 23andMe raw data, you can't just search up like MTHFR and it's going to tell you like, you know, if yours is working or not. 
There's specific SNPs or SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms that you need to look at specifically to know whether or not your gene is working properly or not. So there's two main ones that you really need to look up and I will have all of this in the show notes because I know I'm throwing out a lot of big words and numbers and letters and stuff here. So don't worry, I will have it in the show notes on my website. But the first one that I looked at, the first SNP is RS1801133. And that is a, it's just a specific position on your MTHFR gene that we're looking at. So we're getting like super, super, super specific here. Now, normally you should have a GG pairing. That's the way that, you know, the, the, um, the gene normally functions. That's what it should look like. Whereas if you have an AG, you have one variant. And if you have an AA, then you have two variants and that's a mutation, meaning that the gene is probably not working so well. And that's what I have. So I was looking at my, you know, RS1801133 <laughs> SNP in my genetic data, and I found out that I have an AA pairing, meaning that I have two variant alleles, and, and that's what each letter is called. It's called an allele. And that means that my MTHFR, the activity is reduced by 70 to 80% meaning it's only working at 20 to 30% of its capacity, which is not great. Now there's a second SNP that you should look at, um, which is the RS1801131, and that one should have two Ts. If you have a GT, then you have one variant, and if you have a GG, then you have both variants, and again, your MTHFR activity is reduced. I have a TT, which is awesome. Um, so that means only one SNP is mutated. However, the first SNP has a more dominant effect than the second one. So I have the worst one to have a mutation in, which kind of sucks. But as I mentioned before, you know, your genetics are not your fate. Just because your genes say something doesn't necessarily mean that that's how they will be expressed now that we know this with the whole field of epigenetics. And now in this episode, I kind of want to talk to you guys. Yes, I'm teaching you guys about this, um, this gene, but I also want to talk about how, you know, the more you learn about your own body and your own genetics, things start to make a lot of sense because I was really, really upset when I found out that I had this mutation. I was like, oh my gosh, like, what does this mean? Like, is this going to have long-term effects for me or for my future children? And it could potentially, if I did not know that I had it. Whereas now that I do, I can do something about it, which is awesome. But, you know, I was looking into symptoms and side effects of having this MTHFR mutation and everything in my life starts to make sense now. If you guys have listened to my previous episodes, you'll know that like I've had a lot of um, illnesses and conditions that I've dealt with and I thought it was just stress, you know, and I never thought about, well, what does my genetics say? And now that I know what my genes say, like, holy, it makes so much sense. So that's why I encourage you guys, you know, to look into your genetics, see what it says. And I'm not saying I know everything, what my genome says. I'm still researching it and looking into it, but at least it's a start. So anyways, back to this MTHFR gene. Is it a common thing to have a mutation? And the answer is kind of kind of not. So 
Of course, there's no like Canadian data, but looking at the American data, roughly 30 to 40 percent of the population may have at least one variant or one mutation for this gene. Roughly 25 percent of um, people in the U.S. from Hispanic descent probably have this mutation, and 10 to 15% of Caucasians have two copies of the variant. So like me, how I'm AA, I have both, uh, I have two copies of it, so I would be part of that 10 to 15%. So it's really not that common at all. So now, why do I even care that I have this genetic mutation if I didn't even really notice that I've had it my whole life? Well, because my body does not make enough, um, active methylated folate, homocysteine, which is an amino acid, is likely to build up in my blood levels. Why do I care about that? Because, you know, it's an amino acid, so it should be fine since our bodies are built on amino acids. Well, when we have this specific one, it actually breaks down your arterial wall, so like your artery wall, and it actually can lead to blood clots in your blood vessels. So definitely not a good thing, for sure. And I think it's important to know that you do have this increased risk for that. Another big one is because I do not have enough active folate in my body, um, I have an increased risk of, you know, birthing a child that has birth defects. I think that's also really important to know because, you know, every time you get pregnant or you're trying to get pregnant, your doctor will tell you to start taking a prenatal and they usually have folic acid in them. Folic acid and folate are not the same thing. If there's one thing that you guys take from this episode, it's that folic acid and folate are not the same thing. You need folate, not folic acid. So say it with me, folate, not folic acid. (laughs) So just keep that in mind. But um, yeah, we all know that, you know, folate is important in pregnancy and creating a child. If you do not have enough folate when you get pregnant, your child is at an increased risk for developing um, anencephaly, which is when your baby's brain is underdeveloped and they could have an incomplete skull. Um, They're at increased risk for neural tube defects, which is anything from like spina bifida. Um, You know, their brain isn't properly developed, their spine isn't properly developed, that kind of thing. Um, Other birth defects like Down syndrome, And you are also at an increased risk of recurring miscarriages or just not being able to get pregnant in the first place. You know, I am 24. I would hopefully like to be having kids in the next like four to five years. And, you know, that's really important for me to know. Let's say I was at that stage in my life right now and I did not know that I had this mutation. And my doctor gave me a prenatal that had folic acid in it, right? Or just not even enough folate. And I didn't know that I had this mutation. Then what would happen to my child? Would I even be able to get pregnant, right? These are important things to know. So yeah, just wanted to touch on that, why this gene is really, really, really important. And it's important for a lot of other things. Like I have just started my research on it because... If I'm being honest with you, I just found out that I had this like last week. (laughs) So I am not an expert on it whatsoever, but I just wanted to share with you guys what I do know so far. So expect a follow-up episode to this. But another interesting thing that I found out is that if you have, 
you know, decreased MTHFR activity, you are not creating the methylfolate that we need in our bodies. And because that's what breaks down homocysteine, it also breaks down toxins and heavy metals in our body. And everybody comes into contact with toxins and heavy metals. I don't care how much organic food you eat. You, If you are breathing the same air that I'm breathing, you're probably coming into contact with toxins and heavy metals. That's just the way it goes. Now, heavy metals also include things like iron, which is what we need in our diet in order to have proper iron levels. But if that iron gets too high, again, that could be dangerous. Some other um, heavy metals that we come into contact with that to have trouble breaking down if you have this mutation um, are copper, lead, and mercury. We don't want those things building up in our bodies. Absolutely not. So again, it's another important thing to know if you have this mutation that you're probably not detoxing as well as you should and you may have heavy metals and toxins built up in your body. Now, if you have high copper that can lead to low ferritin levels. Ferritin is um, your your iron store in your blood. And now this is where things are going to start making sense for me. And I came to this like aha light bulb moment <laughs> a couple nights ago. So a few years ago, I was anemic um, and we did blood work, you know, and we thought that I was anemic, but we found out that my iron levels were fine, but my iron stores were really low. This is probably because I have the MTHFR mutation and I probably had too much copper, which was lowering my iron stores because science shows that, you know, high copper can lower ferritin levels, even though your iron looks good. And I've always been the type of person, every time I get blood work done, I ask for a copy. Once the doctor gets it back, that report, I ask for a photocopied copy just to keep for myself because I like looking back at it. And I was looking back at it the other day and I was like, wow, my iron levels were great and my ferritin levels were low. Like, it all makes sense now. (laughs) So that was just something for me. And, you know, I've been going through this whole thing and I'm just like, my mind is swirling because this one gene and these two tiny little snips on one gene can wreak so much havoc on your body. It's insane. And it gets worse. Let me tell you, if you guys have listened to my birth control episode, which I definitely think uh, you should, especially if you're a female thinking about taking the pill or um, if you're on the pill, definitely listen to that episode. But, you know, I mentioned that the pill does not balance your hormones. It just masks your symptoms. And now being off the pill, you know, I've been taking Makaru and I've been doing some other things that really help balance my hormones, which is great but why were my hormones not balanced in the first place? And apparently this MTHFR gene has a hand in that as well because, you know, as a real mother, you know what? Why doesn't it mess with my hormones? You know, like, why wouldn't it? So looking at the the research here, it does say that, you know, methylation, which is again, adding that methyl group to folate and B12 and a bunch of other things, might I add, Um, that methylation plays a crucial role in hormone production and regulation. So it says methylation problems, like having this mutation that I have, can be the underlying factor behind estrogen dominance, which can cause the following symptoms. Now, let me read this out to you. And if you're a lady listening to this and any of these sound like you, 
I'm not saying you have the MTHFR mutation, but it could mean that your hormones are a little bit out of, out of balance, so you might want to just get it checked and get checked out why they're out of balance. But these are the symptoms. Fibrocystic breasts and ovaries, tender and swollen breasts, mood swings, irregular menstrual cycle, intense food cravings, thyroid dysfunction, heavy and painful periods, endometriosis, and fibroids. Now, I don't know about you, but I had a ton of those symptoms, like a ton, and it sucks, but now, like, it all makes sense, and if you guys really want to, you know, have this aha light bulb moment with me, guess what reduces methylation in the body? Let me give you a second. The birth control pill. The freaking pill that I tried to take to balance out my hormones because, you know, that's what my doctor told me it would do and trying to fix my symptoms of hormone imbalance was actually making the entire problem that much worse. That much worse. That's probably one of the worst things that I could have taken for my MTHFR gene because I'm already functioning at like 20 to 30% capacity and now I'm adding the birth control pill on top of it. So it really just wasn't doing anything. You know, I, my Foley and B12 levels were probably nothing. <laughs> I won't say nothing, but probably very, very low. So it all made sense to me. And I just thought it was quite interesting for me to share with you guys. So, you know, we covered the hormone imbalance symptoms that may be linked to MTHFR, but what other symptoms are caused by MTHFR mutations? Things like digestive issues, migraines, nerve pain, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar, decreased immune function, chronic fatigue and pain, anemia, cardiovascular diseases including blood clots, stroke, heart attacks, and high blood pressure, chronic inflammation, allergies, eczema, asthma, increased homocysteine levels in the body, and decreased B12 levels. So that's a lot. It's a huge list, and that's what I'm saying. Like, this one gene, if you have the mutation, can really be a mother effer, right? But again, it's important to note that a lot of these symptoms are also symptoms of other conditions. So, you know, if you have digestive issues, that doesn't automatically mean you have an MTHFR mutation. Absolutely not. It could be, but it also could be something else. And I was reading a study that said um, people with especially if you have like the double uh, variant, like I do the AA, you are at a super increased risk for um, digestive issues such as IBS. Now, I'm not saying that my IBS wasn't brought on by stress. I'm sure it was, but it's a little bit of a coincidence, you know, that I have hormonal issues and I have MTHFR and I have IBS and I have MTHFR and I was born with asthma, and I have MTHFR, and I have allergies, and I was born with MTHFR, and I have uh, decreased immune function, or I did growing up, you know, my immune system was crap, and I have MTHFR. So it it's just a little bit too much of a coincidence for me, and now that I have this genetic data, I'm super happy about it because at least there's a little bit of clarity and closure as to, you know, why I've had all these conditions my whole life. And it makes sense because I have this freaking genetic mutation that's trying to ruin my life. <laughs> so I really encourage you guys to 
really just get checked. Now, there's a couple other things that I wanted to touch on that not everybody that has an MTHFR mutation or a number of MTHFR mutations should um, receive treatment or intervention for it because it depends on what mutations you have and how many mutations you have. So I just have the two uh, variations on that first little SNP, but my second SNP is fine. So for me, I can start taking, you know, like a methylated folate and methylated B12 supplement, which I'm going to be starting next week. I just wanted to monitor it because if you start over methylating, it can make you sick and there's a bunch of other things. So I'm starting that next week. Now, some people who um, have all the mutations, you know, those are the, t- the kinds of people that really need to be supervised once they start taking uh, supplementation and they really need to take a very small monitored dose because if you go from no methylation to over methylating yourself, there can be some really bad side effects to that. And of course, we don't want that, you know? So number one thing that a lot of people can do though is just eating a more folate-rich diet. What does that look like? Folate is really heavy in um, animal proteins, plant proteins, also any dark leafy green vegetable, which is great. And um, avocados, asparagus, banana, those things are great. And I already do eat a lot of those, so I feel like that's why my symptoms maybe maybe are not so bad. Because when I did start to have IBS and I did start to have um, all these conditions, you know, I wasn't eating super, super clean. But now I try to with my greens and I eat banana um, a few times a week. You know, I eat a lot of these things. I'm starting to eat avocado now and all that. So maybe that's why my symptoms aren't so bad because I am adding a lot of folate to my diet. But still, I'm sure things could be better. So I'm going to be starting that supplement. Also, if you know that you have high homocysteine levels in your blood because your mutations are so bad, then you definitely need to work alongside a trained professional, uh, probably like a specialist or a doctor because homocysteine, like I said, can be so bad and wreak so much havoc on your heart, your arteries, and your blood vessels. So you really, really, really need to monitor that carefully and closely to safely get that homocysteine out of your body. So that's what I've learned just really in the last week about this one gene and I'm sure there is so much more for me to learn about it Um, but like it really can do a number on your health on your body and it really sucks I'm not gonna lie so I really encourage you guys to go get tested Um, you can just do like the 23andMe thing it's pretty inexpensive and then once you have that raw data you can either sort through it all yourself which I don't recommend which I am not going to continue to do or you can upload it to a third party, which that's all they do. They look at your um, genetic data and they, you know, create their reports with it. Because like I said, not all your SNPs and all your genes really need to be looked at. So they just pull out the most important ones and create one whole report for you and say, you know, this gene's good, this gene's good, this gene you have one variation, this gene you have two variations, and it kind of gives you a whole like really easy to read and really easy to follow report Um, and I am going to be uploading my raw data to one of these third-party 
companies to get this report and then I will share all of that with you guys later on because I'm sure that I have other mutations and I'm sure we all have mutations. So like I said, it's just important, I think, to know what you're working with because like I've said a few times already, your genes are not your fate. We do have, you know, gene expression and gene expression is affected by your environment, so environmental toxins, what you put in your body. So, you know, the saying that they say you are what you eat is kind of true in a sense. Um, But yeah, I just really think it's important to know what you're playing with so you know what appropriate interventions to take. And it really just goes to show that we are really all unique because our DNA is all different. But that is my little spiel and rant for you guys today. I hope you guys learned something. Like I said, I know I threw out a lot of big words and numbers and letters and all that stuff. So definitely go to my website and click the podcast tab. Click this episode and you will have all the show notes there ready for you. If you've already done gene testing through 23andMe or Ancestry, whatever it is, definitely look to see if you have the MTHFR mutation, you know, it can lead to a lot of answers for you. But until the next time, this has been your host, Alicia Rosati, and I can't wait to talk to you guys in the next episode. <laughs>